Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Friends, welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeremy Kubicek, and as always, I'm here with Steve Cockrum in England. Steve, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well, Jeremy. Thank you. Yes, uh, September has come, um, yes. and we are now in the fall, y'all, apparently, aren't yes. we, or something like that. That's what it used to be in Paulie's Island, anyway. Now, do you? does anyone ever say y'all in England? No. Only is people there, who've lived in South Carolina... But what is the y'all equivalent in England? Oh, gosh. Good question. You know, um, something you that's all. like, no, I know that you all, but Everyone. like, is there, a, is there a phrase? No, is there a phrase <laughs> that you use in England that's just very, very British that Americans or other people wouldn't use? I'm sure there is. There's, you use too no, many no, words. We, yeah, we, we just tend to use sort of sarcasm. So you don't really know we're being rude about you, but we just are. Oh, but, yeah. You know, we, no, I, that, I knew that. But don't you worry your pretty little head about that. I don't want to be patronizing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is finally September here too in America as well. And so yeah. I didn't know if you knew that. It's it is over here too. And uh it is hopefully cooler. It's starting to get yeah. it's been a blistering hot summer. So we're excited for um something. But yeah, it's football season too. And so I'm super excited. I one of the roles I play is with Kevin DeShazo doing sports performance for the University of Oklahoma football team. So I spoke to all the players yesterday. Um, I've got my field pass. I've got Come my on. coaching. I'm wearing all of the coaching gear. I'm going to be on the sideline of every game, <laughs> traveling with the team. Oh. And it's it's really fascinating. But these, these 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, um, players, are learning their voice. They're learning stress uh, responses. They're learning... Um, you know, they're kryptonite. They're learning about uh, know yourself to lead yourself. And it works. It's been so fun. So if you want to watch, so cool. any, any of our fans want to watch um, any of the OU games on the sideline, you'll see a guy with a hat and a beard and sunglasses. And that's going to be me. You'll be able to give them a few pointers, Jez, on the line of scrimmage, you know, sort of uh, move the chains, you know. Absolutely. All that sort of stuff. Come on. Your technique leave, leave is on awesome. <laughs> But oh, you weren't your team before, though, were they? Really? Didn't I remember that you were uh, supported the other lot up until recently? Yeah, yeah, we work with all the teams. We work with the athletic department, but the football is the usually the king of all the sports, and so it's fun to be able to get and serve them as well. All my America, you, you have to understand that in America, Americans are never happier than they are between kickoff Sunday and the Super Bowl. It basically is just like the best time of the year because after that, there's this like mourning period. March Madness's addiction kicks in to keep you going for a little bit. And then there's like the maybe the Masters, a bit of Grim Through. We've got a little bit of Flushing Meadow at the moment with the US Open tennis, but there is nothing in America better yeah, than when right. you have like Thursday night football, high school football, college football on a Saturday, three games minimum on a Sunday, Monday night football, and basically <laughs> fantasy <laughs> leagues. <laughs> it's, it's it just, that's it. That's the best six months of the year. Totally. So that's what we're up to. What are you up to? 
over here we have such an addiction with soccer, um, real football, that our season now runs <laughs> from July all the way through to May <laughs> with a World Cup in between. So basically, there's you imagine having American football 11 months of the year. You kind of think people might get bored of it, but I'm sure they wouldn't. I imagine the people would fall apart, but uh, that's where we are. But no, over here, schools go back next week. So that's a, a big moment. We have a new high schooler in the Cochrane household, and we're sending a, another one off to college, which is wow. good. And, and our eldest Izzy has returned. So it's a bit like the boomerang generation over here. You'd have to be a multimillionaire to be able to buy a house in England right now. So a lot of people are back living with their parents, which for us is great. But um, for us is... And we had a 30th wedding anniversary, Jez. I know we hardly look young enough to be that old. But um, yeah, 30 years. Yeah, yeah, and you told me it didn't go very well. Is that true? <laughs> well... I think you better clarify what you mean by that. But obviously, I've been happily married for all 30 years, Helen, for at least no. half of the time. But, uh, no, we, I we mean, went what happened a- on your trip? Oh, right. Okay. We went to a place called Garra Rock, which is a place in near Sulcombe in South Devon, where we actually <laughs> went on honeymoon 30-odd years ago. But sadly i got a bit of a nasty tummy bug while we were there so helen had a great time but i barely left the hotel room with the toilet for about four days so uh, it was great for my uh, calorie counting i think i lost about yeah. 10 pounds in the course of a few weeks but um a few days but no it wasn't it wasn't the dream honeymoon reunion that we oh. did this is just that's for sure so but at least helen's I'm back so on sorry. the main, so that kind of she was in the pool every day but hey ho we managed one afternoon out for a photo so everyone on facebook thinks we're all happy so that's all that's all that really matters is that's all that matters that's it you did you did well well congrats my friend (laughs) well hey so let's get into it we've got um you know as, as we talk about giant and our business is basically all about leadership is literally to know yourself to lead yourself and we work globally i think our count is like 117 countries or something the last count that we're working in or have some reach in. And our vision is to raise up liberating leaders in every city and sector in the world. So let's talk about the idea of the world needs better leaders. So give some context on that, Steve, and then we'll we'll dive in. Yeah. Well, I think there's always, we always try and use historical moments, which obviously make the podcast hard to listen to in reverse. But um, obviously this week was the, the death of Mikhail Gorbachev. And historically a huge figure, interestingly, far more popular in the West, it looks like, than he perhaps was in Russia. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just reflecting on looking at the the leaders of the, the world at that point in time, in terms of, you know, Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, Gorbachev, Helmut Kohl. I mean, proper international statesmen and women who really brought an end, I guess, to the Cold War with Perestroika and Grasnost and really opened up a level of collaboration in that period. And I guess my question was, when we look at the the leaders that are their peers today, I'm always trying to be more optimistic. I think whether you get to a certain age and you become naturally more pessimistic, but I'm looking and going, we don't have a prime minister right now in the UK, so we'll have a new one by Monday. It'll probably be Liz Truss. We've got Joe Biden, uh, President Biden in the US. We've got I can't even tell you the name of the German chancellor right now, which probably tells you something. Um, And then we've got um, our friend Vladimir Putin. Throw in a little bit of Jing Jinping and the kind of the the China, what's going on over there. And you look at it and go, 
the world is more unstable right now probably than it's been since the Cold War. And the question is, are there leaders of the caliber or is it possible that we could actually pray or raise up a new generation of leaders that could actually bring a little bit more of that stability to bear? So that's been my big geopolitical, just reflecting on thinking what an incredibly brave man, um, you know, that actually opened up and re said, I refuse to basically quash the rebellions in the Soviet Republic mm -hmm. using force. If that's what they want, we're going to let them choose. And, and for Gorbachev to do that, change the trajectory of a lot of Eastern Europe and some of the places I know you and I have been together on our Indava travels. Thoughts? Yeah, so, you know, I lived in Moscow. I know you know that, but for those who don't, I lived there in uh, 93 to 95. And the view of Gorbachev was he was a weak man or he mm -hmm. lost control or he... But what he was trying to do, he was actually trying to move uh, the Soviet Union into the, the next century. And he did lose control of what he, his goal was. It didn't turn out the way he wanted it per se, but he also averted so much of the what could have been, what Putin has, <laughs> what we're experiencing right now. And mm. he did a really good job as a diplomat in that process. So, uh, yeah, to your, that degree, of course, peace-loving, uh, democracy-loving Westernites mm. appreciate him yeah. and yeah. what he did versus the maybe centralist, uh, dictatorial uh, view and mindset of, of the Soviets or, or Russians now. So, no, I, I totally agree. I think the, the key, though, is like one person – can make a massive change. Yeah. And the the way that I would frame it is we use this phrase all the time, are you for me, are you against me, or are you for yourself? Mm -hmm. And you can easily see the ramifications of leaders who are for themselves. Look at a lot of African leaders who mm -hmm. continually build cronyism and build everything around them for their own wealth, their family's wealth, those kinds of things. Versus maybe the president of Rwanda, who's made a significant change difference there. Mm, uh, yeah. You look at um, in America, just the Amer Americans longing for a really good leader that was not for themselves or not feeling it like you're against me. Mm, and right now yeah. we have party politics that's constantly pitting 50% against 50% and back and forth. And then obviously in in England, you know, um, what's what's happening there. So, yeah, your point is we need better leaders. The world yeah. needs better leaders. And the reason is how and why are why don't we have a batch of them? What's keeping that from happening? Yeah, I guess probably the, the person who continues to inspire me and, and move me is President Zelensky. I, I mean, his daily broadcast and to mobilize a people group for a cause bigger than themselves and to actually remain with that level of humility and commitment to the cause when, you know, the Americans gave him a way out right at the beginning and he said, why, why would I leave? And you just look at it and go, the, the, the things that make people want to follow people are still the same as they've always been. It just takes an awful lot of courage to go against at times the prevailing wisdom of what they call over here the blob. There is a that the blob of basically the establishment, the kind of the way it's always been done. The people who have a vested interest in protecting what's there, and you know, in some senses, Zelensky has, has kind of risen to a level of influence, which would be really interesting to see. You know what happens, but that we talk a lot, don't we, about humble, hungry, smart, 
and I look at Zelensky, he incredible humility to choose to lead the way he's done, but unbelievably smart in the way he's used his social media and the kind of projections, because most of the rest of the world, they didn't really want to give them arms and money. They all thought it would be over very, very quickly. And the better the Ukrainians have done, in some ways, the, the more they've been able to attract. And I, I do really hope that basically um, when, when the dust settles on this, which I hope it does sooner rather than later, that some of those lessons of realising, like you said, it only takes one person sometimes to do something and to stand for something. And you end up with a, in a, a very, very different place. So you're Nelson Mandela's of this world who spent that number of years in a prison cell but came out uh, basically humble, hungry and smart and go, that's the type of leadership that we need to see more of. And I guess that's what we're committed to trying to do our bit to kind of equip them with the tools to do that. So, yeah. So for those of you who are out there who maybe get inspired, like we literally need better leaders. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, that again, that's what we're devoted our lives to is building content and resources that people use uh, in order to know themselves and then lead themselves. Amazing. Well, there we go. Um, as always, send in your questions if you have things for us. But it is a particular joy. We always say this because it, it always is. But then there are kind of very, very special VIPs. And today's uh, Giant Leadership Podcast guest is is really one of our favorites, isn't she really, Jeremy, of the, the giant world. Maria Guy is just a wonderful, wonderful lady who I'll let her tell some of the story, but Maria's been with us pretty much since the very beginning. And we always know that when you have kind of pioneers and connectors who are slightly more entrepreneurial, shall we say, rather than guardian detail orientated, Maria has been a guardian nurturer who has walked with us, <laughs> suffered under us and been a huge champion <laughs> of us for at least the last nine years, Maria. So I always say when the nurturers and the guardians are really empowered to lead, then you know you have a a really, really healthy organization. So Maria, tell us, tell everyone listening of our 5 million listeners a little bit about you, your background, where you've come from, what were you doing before Giant, and a little bit of before and now, where have you come from and where do you find yourself today? So take take a good few minutes because they've been, they've been bored listening to us already pontificating <laughs> and you're far more interesting than we are. So come on over to you, Maria, give us the, give us the Maria story intro. Uh, I love it. I love being here with you all. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. Well, 10 years ago, I was an executive at a construction company and um, really at a crossroads about where I was going to go for the rest of my life. Um, I had spent 20 years in the industry. I have a couple of engineering degrees and it was my world. Construction was my world. I absolutely loved my company. I love the people, I love the industry, but I just, the purpose was off. I was, I'm not sure I'm supposed to be here at this point. I felt like I needed to leave for a while. And so I entered into the nonprofit world. So from for-profit to nonprofit, I went to work for my church for a year. And in the period, I got invited to a meeting. And uh, interestingly enough, Jared invited me. He, Jared is now working with HQ and he invited me to a meeting. He said, have you ever heard of this, these guys named Giant? And I said, no, I've never heard of Giant. Well, this guy, Steve Cockrum, is going to be in town. And so I sit at this meeting across from Steve. Steve happens to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I live, of all the places. And 
you look back at times and, and it's a turning point where your life changes. And that meeting was that for me. When I learned about Giant, I thought, I can't believe what these guys have done. They have taken every leadership concept I've ever read about, and they have put them in visual tools. And now uh, you can easily access um, so many, so much here. How is this possible? And back then, we only had 40-some tools. I mean, they, it has just grown <laughs> since then. So I was I was there for a year, and uh, I met you in May, Steve, and then I reached out in September. I don't know if you remember me, but I met you, and you said, I absolutely remember you. And I said, how do I do what you're doing? And you said, come and join us. And it was just like that, that I, I, I we had a program at the time called Executive Core. So I joined that group. I became a client first. Wow. And then I began training to become a consultant. And here we are, uh, January will be eight years of doing this. And then the year wow. previous to that of training. But it has just been fantastic. And I've come full circle. My clients are all in the construction, architecture, engineering world. And so I get to serve the industry that I love but with the principles of everything that you guys were talking before, the world needs better leaders. Every industry needs better leaders. We just, we're on a mission to equip people to lead differently. So it's just been uh, fantastic. I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, as I mentioned. Uh, my husband and I have been married 31 years. We're just just ahead of you wow. and uh, and Helen, Steve. And um, it, it's I, we have two children, early 20s, and um, we just love that we get to do this. And I love to be able to be here with you guys today. So good. So one of the things that we focus on at Giant is getting people healthy, getting them to 100%. And no one, I mean, we, we realistically aren't always at 100%, but going into that direction, that trajectory. Can you share a story, Maria, of someone uh, that in your world that you've helped or someone that currently is getting healthy? What does that even look like if we say the world needs better leaders, that means that they obviously need to be healthy. Yes, I had someone just email me yesterday. He had been through a year of uh, giant, different contexts, different workshops, and but he was still struggling with applying some of these things. So we went back and did a leader intensive with him. And it was a profound experience for him because he had been around a lot of the content, but he wasn't really sure about how to implement it. But for some reason, the leader intensive unlocked a lot about himself. And he said, it's been like a slap in the face, but a good one, right? Not a, not a bad one. And so he began to see himself differently where he has been unhealthy, um, where he has not set boundaries, where he has not... Um, taken relationship uh, seriously, and all of that. He is working on that. He he emailed me to tell me how grateful he was for the process. He how grateful he was for Giant because it gave him language and it gave him a way to begin to restore some of those relationships and get himself into a healthy place. And he sent me a snapshot of the email that he had sent to his team to set some boundaries. For himself because he is pouring himself out he's exhausted even though he 
he cares about these people. He didn't know how to do that. And so um, I love, it's just stories like that where sometimes it's not these big dramatic changes that people have to make. It's small ones that begin to shift how we tell others to treat us and how we begin to treat other people. So um, I have just so many of those little stories like that where someone made a shift, a small shift, and it changed everything. That's so good. So, you know, in our giant leadership podcast, we often have a question from a client or a customer and they'll send it in and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Well, we saved that one because the, one of the things we value about you, Maria, is that you're so gifted at helping people with wisdom deal with, you know, issues that they're dealing with that are constant. And so we thought, let's let's pause our question. Let's bring Tracy in. Tracy, come on in, and why don't you ask the question today, and then we're going to get Maria's answer, and then we'll we'll pile on behind that. Yeah, it's a simple one, but probably one that many people struggle with. Um, this one is from Dwayne from Jacksonville, Florida. He says, "I'm a manager. How do I get my people engaged? When I try to be intentional, it feels like I just can't get them engaged." Mm. That is a great question. I often field different versions of that question. And I'll start by saying that when I work with a leadership team or managers, I say, give yourself three months head start. Begin to use what you're learning on yourself. Let it be evident. Let people start noticing, wait a minute, you are different. Sometimes when when they get exposed to this content, they think, I need to just start using this right away. And and they realize, okay, I'm going to start to liberate people. I'm going to bring support and challenge. But your employees have a whole history of you of years prior to that. And you think that when you shift from Friday's workshop to Monday, that they're supposed to be with you. And you, you, it doesn't move that fast. So maybe your intentionality needs a little more runway. So give yourself an opportunity to begin to implement these tools on yourself. Even share those with people. I tell people, let people know, I just learned this about myself. I am high challenge. I don't know how to bring support. I'm going to work on this starting with what does support look like for you? When they see that humble approach of you applying the tools to yourself, they are going to be intrigued and they're going to say, well, maybe there's something to this. And then you will begin to see that engagement, but you can't expect them to respond immediately to whatever it is that you're doing until they see you live it out. So that's my first um, thought about this particular question. That's good. Steve, would you add anything to that? I don't think I have anything to add other than hot air. So I'm going to uh, know myself <laughs> to leave myself and just say, Maria, that was perfect. Well done. Yeah. And I would just add, you know, I'll add the hot air then. Um, <laughs> there are there are so many um, leaders who are moving from team leaders, especially managers. There's just an unawareness. And when they are all of a sudden aware that people have to work with them versus want to work with them, so the journey and transformation of moving into being a leader that people want to follow means then there's a lot of pain because they have to then deal with their past. Like, oh my goodness, huh, I've been a jerk or I've been okay. And now I'm trying to improve, right? And 
versus the the I'll, I'll say men, I, some women, but mostly men I hear is like, I am who I am, you know, yeah. and if they want to deal with it, then they have to put up with it. And that's mm-hmm. laziness. And and so it really is a journey. And to your point, work on yourself first. You can't give what you don't possess. Start with yourself, but let that journey do the heavy work so that trust is built, relationships are built, uh, family uh, looks at you and doesn't roll your eyes at you, but actually they're excited about you. And when that journey plays itself out, then it will be natural for people to want to follow you and versus forced. So I love it. I, I totally agree with that. Awesome. And it's probably going to take longer than you think it should. But that is no reason to not stay on the journey because eventually uh, people will be um, come on board and say, wait, wait a minute. This is different. This is different. That's such a, I mean, so profound, guys. I mean, we use the same whenever we have incredibly clean, keen kind of CEOs, founders that go, oh, my goodness, this stuff's incredible. We're going to do this for the whole company. We always go, no. Let, let's let's do it and use the influence you have to let us work with you and your team for a season because you may think you have influence to force things through the organization but if you want buy-in they need to have their own experience of that and it, it's always sometimes a lot of entrepreneurs or people that are used to going this is amazing let's make it happen whereas actually the point you made and the point you reiterated Jeremy which is to go it is so much better to go slower but by going slower, you go deeper, which means you go further and you end up doing it for longer. And I think that's one of those things which a lot of people want a quick fix. You know, do me that leadership thing. How do I get? Well, I don't want to spend the whole year on it. No. You know, a couple of days, give me a book. And realizing it's, it's not as simple as that. So, Maria, I mean, that, that was just such a brilliant description of an example of somebody getting healthy. Obviously, we, we talk a lot about the, this concept of 100x. When people are healthy, how do we actually equip them to multiply that health into the lives of those they're leading as well. So perhaps if you've got a couple of stories for us of, of maybe leaders you've worked with, where you've watched them then be able to take what it is that has grown in them, and then it's multiplied into their team and into their organization. And the, the goal being, then they begin to see what they've always dreamed of happening. So any examples in your kind of world that you just stand out and go, that's a great example of things that most people believe, I don't think that could ever happen to me. Yes, the self-awareness journey, when people begin that, I don't think people are as self-aware as they think they are. And when they start on that journey, it is eye-opening when they realize, I tend to do this, or I do this really well, or I need to work on this. So I had a CEO that, um, very um, insightful, creative pioneer, um, very decisive, incredibly intelligent, respected by so many people, And he didn't realize how much of his world was inside his head until he began to learn about himself. And he he realized as he was nearing retirement that he was going to take all of this with him. So we began to unpack some of what he did the best, especially for the people that were surrounding him. He was uh, so respected. He was almost intimidating. Right. You didn't want to go ask him something because he's so busy, so important. I don't. But when people when we open the doors to, hey, before he leaves, what do you want to learn from from the CEO? 
And people began to raise their hand and say, you do this better than anyone else. I have always wondered how in the world do you do this? And instead of having this, you know, magic aura, it became, let's unpack this. Let me tell you how I come. And which required him to talk a lot more than he cared to, or to bring in people to situations where he would normally take care of things by himself. But he did that in I would say in such a beautiful way in the last few years of his time there to the point where he gave his office to the incoming CEO and he stepped aside and he continued to mentor three or four people in a very intentional way that when he left, there wasn't this huge chasm, this huge hole we had to fill. It was, it was a graceful exit. It was, it was beautiful and everyone felt stronger because of the work that we did that was intentional for him to multiply what felt like this is just this amazing thing. He's just special that way. No, there was a reason why he did what he did. He just needed to start talking about that. So whether it's at the CEO level or it is a technical skill um, that an engineer is sharing with someone else, it takes intentionality to stop and pause and say, do you know why I just did that? Because I'm taking this into consideration, that into consideration. I work with a lot of introverts in the worlds that I work, and people just keep things inside their heads. So when you give them a framework to begin to bring that out in an intentional way, everyone benefits because the bench just gets deeper. We have three or four people that know how to do this, not just one expert inside the organization. People don't think that multiplying is part of their job. They think their job is limited to doing what they have been assigned with excellence. This X idea is foreign to a lot of people, and but it's it's transforming teams and organizations when they grasp it and they make room for it. So good. It's called multiplying magic for those of you that are out there to go. Every one of us has magic. You know, most people do a really good job with their gold. They have all these different advisors and specialists that help them manage their gold and transfer their gold onto their family. You know, when I say gold, I mean their monies, their inheritance. But very few leaders do a, a good job of transferring the magic that they have. So to the point Maria made, when a leader leaves, then all of that intellectual uh, wisdom and background and connections and and just history goes out the window. It goes out the door. And to multiply it means that you actually start to, you have to unpack it. You have to list it. You have to know what you do. And uh, it's a really interesting process. It's really hard, but it's really, really good. And again, it's a process that's going to take longer than you think it should. When I see people do a two-month handoff on a position that took someone 15 years to develop, you've missed the boat. I mean, when, when we started working with this particular team, the CEO had three or four years, no, four or five years before they retired. And to me, it's like, we only have four or five years. We better get started with this process, right? So it's going to take longer, maybe not that long, but if you know that a position is going to be vacated or that you're going to need more positions, start with a year in mind or two, not two months, not two week handoffs, those are just not going to work um, as effectively. And, and you're going to leave a lot of experience on the table. It's, it's actually that the more gifted a leader is, the more intentional mm -hmm. they have to be mm -hmm. at multiplying the unconscious competence. 
And in a sense, you, you can never sit down yourself and go, what is my unconscious competence? What's my magic? It only ever comes out usually when people have a context to ask the right questions. Yes. Or ultimately, you have people that you're apprenticing and you give them the, the context where they travel with you, they're in the meetings with you, and they're annoying because when you want to be quiet and sit on the plane on your own, they've got the questions, well, why do you say this and why do you do that? But in a sense, the only way I've ever come across of codifying unconscious competence is to invite a group of people on the journey with you because they have the capacity to ask the questions that you can't see. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're, you're you know, revered, admired as this kind of, you know, figure, but you're honest and go, if I died tomorrow, how much of your magic would die with you? That's always a profound question to ask as a leader. If I was to die tomorrow, my gold is probably in order, as Jeremy said, but how much of the magic would be wasted? Because that's probably the most valuable thing that you actually possess, far more so than your 401k or your whatever your share portfolio might look like. So good challenge. Great stuff, Maria. Mm, very good. Maria Guy, thank you for coming on the Giant Leadership yes. Podcast. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to see you. We've got a retreat yes. coming up yeah. soon with a bunch of giants coming in. Oklahoma City, we'll get to be together in a few short weeks. So we'll see you then, Maria. Thank you. Very good. Thank you so much. Thanks, Maria. All right. Always good. I mean, the beauty of, um, for those listening, we, we are um, blessed to be able, Steve and I have been working really hard since 2013 to build up and multiply. And so we're uh, about at 850 people in the giant ecosystem. And directly we've been able to multiply, I don't know, maybe into 100 or so. And then those people have been multiplying and growing and building uh, coaches and consultants. So if you're interested in being like Maria and having the same type of experience, just go to giantworldwide.com. Really, really, and um, you know, great place to get to to just check out and 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 look at and see if it's something that makes sense for you. So um, that was just uh, that was awesome. Absolutely. When when guardians stay with you as well, Jeremy, that's the ultimate compliment, really, because it kind of says that we listened. Um, it's amazing how you burn guardians off if you don't listen eventually. Absolutely. Do you have a final thought for today, Jess? The final thought for, for me is this. Yes. Um, back to the world needs better leaders. Um, you know, I currently uh, coach and mentor and work with a governor in, in America. And this person, this, this man, it's unbelievable to get behind the scenes and to watch what has to happen and how difficult their jobs are mm. and when they have pure motives but they have to deal with the politics and mm. all of the uh theatrical uh, acts that that are the establishment and when this person is truly just trying to do the right thing and so i see why it's hard um but i also compliment those who who make it through because it's the perseverance it's the you know um it's just the tenacity uh, that just builds unbelievable character. And so I just want to encourage any of you listening. Mm -hmm. The last thought is consider what would it look like to be a leader that people want to follow? The world needs better leaders. And that's at every single role. It just, it doesn't mean just the CEO or politics mm -hmm. uh, alone. We're just talking about in every key position is doing your part and taking that responsibility. Yeah, you? and I think for, I think for me, just to build on that, is 
that whenever we talk about needing greater leaders, most people think, well, you know, we need another Gorbachev, we need a Margaret Thatcher. To your point, go, it always starts with you. So as I hear this today, I, I look myself in the mirror and go, okay, Steve, you never graduate the school of self-awareness. If you become accidental, your old tendencies and patterns come back to again. And I wish it was different. I wish we had a pill that meant once you've kind of got to a certain level, we could put a peg in and we never fell back. <laughs> but I think it's just, it's so easy at times to always look and be the critic or to be the coach, whatever it is. And I think kind of whenever I come to a new year, and obviously in the, the UK we're about to launch, September is you know a new year. Ask, asking myself the question again is to go, um, how do I be the best version of me? How do I be intentional? Because in the end, the world needs better leaders begins with you and I first and all the people that we influence. So I, th- I challenge everyone just to, to look in the mirror, really the start of the new season almost, whether that's football or school, and ask yourself the question is, how am I going to be part of that leadership revolution, which means I'm going to commit to being intentional. I'm going to commit to being the best I can be, whether that's with my kids, whether I'm a school teacher, whether I'm in the office, whatever it is. It, it begins with us, and we can't actually outsource, unfortunately, the impact of our leadership on those around us. We will either be liberators, which we hope we will, but at times we'll be protectors, and at times, if I'm not careful, I can easily abdicate in certain areas as well. So have a look in the mirror, ask yourself, hey, what does it mean for me to be number one and deal there first? So that's my challenge to me and hopefully it'll be helpful to other people as well. For all of you, thank you so much for joining us uh, each and every session. And so until next time, we'll see you at the Giant Leadership Podcast. Cheers. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.